Hey there, and welcome to the Water Tower. A few minutes of extra encouragement for your week from the scriptures. I'm your host, Lee Younger from Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Today we have a special, timely, and I believe important episode for you. This message from Tom Job was originally an email he wrote our whole church body last year after the events of January 6th, 2020 in our nation's capital. We present it to you now in this medium as a way to make sure we don't forget, but also as a way for those of us who believe in Jesus to remember what it means to know Him and to call ourselves His people. We'll be in James 3, starting in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done, and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. All right, enjoy episode 67. Which wisdom? Which Jesus? By Tom Job. The other day, my phone told me, you have a memory. It was reminding me, through a picture Tina and I took on a trip with Mary, Ben, and the kids to Washington, D.C. in March 2017. We drove into the city after dark, so we threw our stuff in the hotel and walked out onto the National Mall for a breathtaking evening stroll. We went all the way to the Lincoln Memorial and walked up the steps and turned around for an unforgettable sight of the Washington Monument, the illuminated Capitol beyond. We turned back and looked up into the intense face of our 16th president, and I glanced to my right to see on the north wall the engraving of his second inaugural speech, his best and maybe the greatest ever spoken in our history. The war was almost at an end and the president was sharing his deep personal reflections on the mysterious ways of God in permitting the unanticipated ferocity of the previous four years of conflict. The conclusion that had settled into his heart was that it was really possible that the Civil War was the judgment of God on our nation for the horrors of slavery and racism. the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil. Slavery ended in 1865. Racism did not. A couple of days later, Tina and I were walking around the other end of the mall on a blustery, drizzly afternoon. We wandered past the bronze memorial to Ulysses S. Grant and stood in front of the Majestic's Capitol building. There was a worker on scaffolding out front. Is this where the presidents stand when they give their inaugural addresses? It sure is, he said. I thought of the six foot four, 16th president, worn and old too soon, from four weary years standing in that spot as the sun broke through the clouds, they say, as with his clear high voice he began to read. My eyes were filled with tears and my heart raced 
as I looked at that spot. They were filled with tears and my heart broke last year this month as I looked at that same spot in front of the Capitol. How could it be that those people overwhelmed and swarmed all over that precious marble? How could it be that we have come to this besides the obvious, unrepentant hearts, unrestrained tongues, unrebuked racism? I've often wondered in recent years, how could it be that we now talk to and about each other the way we do? The aggression, the enmity, the disdain. How could it be that those who say they are followers of the Prince of Peace, who proclaimed blessed, the peacemakers, are right in the middle of all of it, letting it fly in their words and tweets with the best of them? Or maybe I should say with the worst of them. Tons of people have been sharing their opinions about how our society has descended to these hateful lows, but I decided to ask an expert. One of the most authoritative voices on the conflict we are seeing in our time was at one time an enemy of the ways of Jesus. He had been for many years until he encountered the risen Jesus himself. James was Jesus's half-brother. In his letter, James would say that the problem is with the wisdom of many of our leaders and the millions who follow them. Not the lack of wisdom, but the wrong kind of it. James says in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, that there are two kinds of wisdom, wisdom from above and another kind. There is a wisdom that has bitter zeal and selfish ambition. The Greek word for bitter is acrid, bitter, cutting, piercing, hurtful. The word for zeal is fervency and passion. The word for selfish ambition means a spirit of rivalry, partisanship, factious party spirit. When there is a way of communicating and interacting that is passionately mean, bitter, slanderous, hurtful, and hateful, and when there is the feeling of we are right, they are wrong, evil, and our enemies, that wisdom, the kind that's been everywhere these years, is not from above. James says that way of thinking, being, and talking, that kind of wisdom is earthly, fleshly, and demonic. What did you call it? Hey, I didn't. James did. And it is. Look at what's happened. But James proclaims the possibility of another wisdom, the wisdom from above, the wisdom from God, the wisdom our nation needs in leadership and in homes is first of all pure, clean and holy, peaceable, peace-loving, peace-making, peace-promoting, gentle, kind, meek, humble, submissive, it means easily persuadable, willing to listen to different views, full of mercy, the fruit of righteousness sown in peace by makers of peace. What if the years leading up to last January among our leaders and among ourselves had been a season of peacemaking, kindness, humility, listening, mercy, purity, wisdom? What if more of those who say they believe in Jesus cherished and showed peacemaking, kindness, humility, listening, 
mercy, purity, wisdom. I guess one of the most shocking things about that awful day a year ago was that someone noted that among all the banners and flags that angry people waved that day were flags with the name of our Savior on them. How could anyone possibly think that the Prince of Peace, whose command was and is love, would be associated in any possible way with this hatred and animosity? And then I thought of another scene of mob hostility that threatened to become an uncontrollable insurrection. In Mark chapter 15, we read of a huge crowd overheating to precarious temperatures in front of an equally important building of public, of political power. From the pavement of the praetorium, the governor asked them, shouting, whom do you want me to release for you, Jesus or Barabbas? Barabbas was an insurrectionist who had led his people, followers, band of bandits, to actually kill some people in their tries to overturn the government. Barabbas, we want Barabbas, they screamed. And then I remembered something. When Matthew tells this story, some of the early copies of his gospel add that Barabbas's other name was a common name that many shared in those days. His first name was, like our savior, Jesus. Jesus Barabbas. It's almost as if Pilate were asking, which Jesus do you want me to release? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Christ? This Jesus or that Jesus? The one who spits in others' faces or the one who takes others' spit in his face? The Jesus who gives his life for the love of his enemies or the one who would take life out of hate for his enemies? The only thing, we don't get to choose which Jesus will be ours. He said, I am, as in, I am who I am. And he most certainly is. We only get to choose if we will be his. bottom of the northern wall of the Lincoln Memorial, we read his closing words. With malice towards none, with charity, which meant love for all, let us strive on to bind the nation's wounds, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. There was no room left, but it would have been nice to leave enough space to add, amen. Are you hungry and naked and poor? Distressed and tormented, forlorn In Christ is a suitable store For all that unto Him come He's 
bread and he's water and wine The treasure you're longing to find Seize your own efforts in flight To Christ the fountain of hope Jesus the source of life Today's score was the song Equals by Watermark High, used by permission with musicbed.com. Tom Job gave our talk from James chapter 3. Our final song was Hymn 566 by Neil Carpenter and William Gadsby. Our intro and outro music was by the one and only Jed Brewer of Good Loud Media, and you are hearing this because of our friend Ian Gothert, who's like a snow day for a seventh grader. Thanks for listening, and may the living water fill you up. <laughs>